Good morning, my name's Emily. I'm going to be reading our Bible reading this morning, which is from Exodus. So I'm starting at the start of chapter 11 and finishing at verse 32 in verse 12. So buckle up. (laughs) So that was Exodus chapter 11 that I'm starting in. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask. Every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor, the silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry through all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor will ever be again. But not a dog shall growl against my people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people out of Israel go out of his land. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, Every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let no one of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you 
on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leavened bread out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians... And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. Morning, everyone. Good to see you. My name is Jared and pastor here, and it's a privilege to preach God's word this morning. Will you uh, pray with me before we begin? Thank you. Father in heaven, we thank you for your uh, provision. We thank you for giving us your word, for revealing yourself to us, for making yourself known. And uh, thank you for how you've given us the book of Exodus and how you've been teaching us about who you are, 
the the you are the Lord Yahweh, the the great and awesome, glorious Creator and ruler of this universe. Help us, Lord, uh, to see what it is that you teach us today in in your Word, and help us, Lord, to live in light of that reality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, and does anyone like cricket here? Yeah, great. There's been a pretty good test on recently um, between Australia and the West Indies. Um, that's not why I'm here, but uh, it's interesting. Sometimes cricketers get political, and uh, we had a couple of couple of the boys from the Aussie team um, talking about Australia Day this uh, this week. And um, there's been some protests and, and conversations about should the date of Australia Day be changed. I'm not going to touch that. Uh, <laughs> um, but 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 why why would I bring that up? Well, I think it's it's one one thing that that that's helpful with with the the fact that we're thinking about Australia Day is that if you look at the start of chapter twelve, um, the, the 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 Passover was going to be the date that that came at the beginning of every year for them. It was going to be the date that that they looked to every year to be reminded of their identity. That that every year we're going to come back to this date. This month is going to be the first month. That 10th day is going to be a huge day where we get the lamb. The 14th day where we kill the lamb. There's going to be, there's going to be no leaven around all of those things and it will become part of your rhythm of life every year. Mark your calendars. Recognize that this is where your identity is. You are one of the Lord Yahweh's people rescued by the blood of the lamb. And so, why would I bring up Australia Day? Well, we have this yearly observance that happens where we remember something about our national identity. Now, people have differences of opinion on all of that, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, just wanted us to think, okay, every year, towards the beginning of the year, we've got this day that we remember. For the people of Israel, they had that too, but it was the Passover. It was in their national identity. And so, today, we're going to dig into what the Passover is really all about and then come to see why that would frame the way they think about themselves and why that should frame the way that we think about ourselves now. So the the context of this is that uh, last week we had a really long reading. <laughs> this week was pretty short compared to... <laughs> um, and, and we looked at the first nine plagues. We, we looked at how there are these patterns that come about, how Yahweh makes himself known how he exposed the magicians, how he, how he exposed Pharaoh, how he exposed all the idols of Egypt, and how he made clear that he's the one who's in control and that it's his word that will always come to pass. Today, we have one last plague. Yahweh says, I'm going I'm to send one more plague on Pharaoh. We read about that in, in chapter 11. And when this plague hits, Pharaoh will let you go. Uh, he will send you out. There's not going to be any kind of, oh, umming and ahhing or no. When this plague hits, he will send you and you will be gone from there. And uh, interestingly, we still have uh, Moses come and, and declare this uh, before him. And what we see at the end of that chapter 11 is that Pharaoh has, has his heart hardened and he doesn't let the people of Israel go out of the land. And that's because He's heard all of these warnings, but Yahweh's plan is that this plague will strike Egypt. Pharaoh's heard the warning, but he doesn't heed the warning. He's heard it, but he doesn't heed it. He's still exalting himself against Yahweh, thinking, no, I'm, you know, who is he? Uh, and, and, and thinking that, actually, I'm, I'm Pharaoh, I'm in charge. But no, Yahweh will bring this plague, 
and Yahweh will bring his people out. And this plague is a terrifying plague of judgment. We read about how Yahweh will wipe out all of the firstborn of Egypt. And it's, it's the totality. It's, it's from the firstborn in Pharaoh's house to the firstborn in the house of, of the slave girl who works behind the hand mill and all of the livestock too. It's a total blanket uh, wiping out of the firstborn. And, and Yahweh says that he's going to make a distinction between his people, Israel, and the Egyptians once more. We saw that happen with many of the plagues, but here we see it happen again for this, this ultimate final plague. These plagues reveal Yahweh's sovereignty uh, and his rule, uh, but Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they don't, they don't want anything to do with that. They're not, they're not submitting to him, um, but Yahweh is, is still the one who's in control. He's still the great creator and ruler of this whole world. And he's the only one who has ultimate say in what's going to happen. And so Pharaoh may think that he's got control and may think that he knows what's going on. But really, it's Yahweh who knows what's going on. It's Yahweh who rules, who rules over all things. And that's the same today. We see people in our world who various different positions of power and authority and abuse those positions of power and authority. But ultimately, Yahweh is still in control. He is still ruling over this world, still bringing this world to his planned purpose of uniting everything under Christ for his glory and the good of his people. Let's have a look at what some some of these things happen in, in, in chapter 12. Mark your calendars, the beginning of months. So like we mentioned, you'll, be, you'll start your year thinking about what Yahweh did for you. It doesn't mean that, you know, you get to their equivalent of February and go, oh, well, forget about that now. No, it means that every year you have in the forefront of your mind, as you begin your year, Yahweh brought us out of, out of, out of slavery. He brought us out of slavery to Egypt. Now, before we get stuck into that, I just want us to think a bit about this. Um, have you ever seen people celebrate before they've actually had the victory? Have you seen people celebrate before they have the victory? So I'll give you a few examples. You might watch some rugby and um, you see the guy, he's got the ball under his arm. He goes like this, he hasn't put it down yet and then he misses it and it's a knock-on. And you think, wow, like, dude, that's pretty, pretty bad. Um, yeah, I, I was watching a Frio game and um, Nat Fife kicked a goal and where I was sitting, I couldn't actually see whether it was goal. So I wasn't watching the goal, I was watching Nat Fife and <laughs> everyone else could see and, and I saw Nat Fife go like this and so I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then everyone around me wasn't celebrating and I realized, oh, okay, <laughs> it wasn't a goal. It was just me and Nat Fife celebrating. <laughs> um, celebrating before the victory. There was no victory, but he was celebrating it. Um, and this, this happens, I mean, it's happened to me. I was, I was, I think I was probably like 10 go-karting with my family and some family friends and I'd done about 14 laps. I didn't know that. Everyone else had done about 28. <laughs> I come around to the end and I saw there was no one in front of me. I thought, I've won this. This is, this is, <laughs> despite many people passing me and me passing no one, I don't know how I thought I won it. I went like this because I'd seen the Formula One drivers do it <laughs> as I came in. And then finally we got these, these time sheets at the end and I was like, oh man, came absolute dead last. <laughs> So we have this, this, this common experience of people celebrating before a victory and usually that results in our humiliation, doesn't it? You see, we celebrate when we, when we think, oh, I've got this in the bag and this is going to happen and then we're exposed and we go, actually, it didn't happen and we look silly and stupid. Yahweh here 
is planning a feast for the people of Israel to celebrate throughout their generations as a statute forever. But unlike us, when he plans this, he doesn't become uh, like exposed as though he, he had no control. No, his plan, his plan and purpose is secure. He rules over everything. So when he says, you're going to celebrate this day, going on forever and ever and ever, you're going you're gonna to keep coming back to this Passover. You're going to celebrate this victory that I worked for you. He can say that and, he, and we know that that's going to come to pass. Remember the, the last sermon we looked at, it was as Yahweh said, as Yahweh said, as Yahweh said, it came to, it came to pass. It happened, it happened, it happened. And so when he says here, you're going to celebrate this victory, you don't imagine what it'd be like for the people of Israel thinking like, we're still slaves in Egypt. Like you sent nine plagues, Pharaoh hasn't let us go yet. And, and you're, you're sending one more. Is it going to work? Is, is, is it going to, is it going to happen? Um, but wonderfully, by the mercy and grace of God, the people of Israel actually listen to what God commands them to do here. And we see this amazing distinction that God makes between the people of Israel and the people of Yahweh. He says to them, take a lamb on the 10th day of that first month. And if your house isn't big enough, don't make excuses to not take a lamb. Don't go, oh, well, my house isn't big enough, so we're not going to worry about the lamb. No, no. Join with your neighbor. Do whatever it takes to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. Don't, don't make excuses. Yahweh has made it very clear that the only way that anyone is going to come out of this unscathed is through the blood shed by the Lamb. If your house isn't big enough, share with your neighbor. Yahweh is coming and he's coming in judgment. The Lamb must be without blemish. It can't be some dodgy, faulty you know, lamb that's, that's actually not perfect, that's, that's, that won't do, must be without blemish. And you must kill them on the 14th day at twilight. That's when everyone is going to get together and kill the lamb. And they'll take some of the, door, the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintel, and they will be covered by the blood of the lamb. They will roast it on the fire. They will eat it. They won't leave anything, and they will eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Don't eat it raw or boil it. It's not some time for lamb sashimi. It's, it's to be cooked, roasted on the fire, and it's to be eaten. And if you can't finish it, burn it. Nothing is to remain. It is all to be gone. And then how, how are you to eat it? With your skates on, with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet, with your staff in your hand, in haste. Why? Because Yahweh really is bringing uh, Israel out of Egypt. Because he really is going to lead you out of here. And so you eat this Passover in anticipation that your time in Egypt is coming to an end. That you will no longer be slaves in Egypt. That your identity will not be as, I'm confused and I'm a slave and I don't know what's going on. No, you are someone that has been rescued by Yahweh through the blood of the Lamb. That's, that's the hope. That's the truth. That's the beauty that is on offer here. And you eat this Passover in haste, getting ready to go because your time in Egypt is coming to an end. It's the Lord's Passover. It's Yahweh's Passover. He says, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn of Egypt and I will execute judgment on the Egyptian gods. I am Yahweh. We've seen him expose all of these idols that the Egyptians worshipped. 
that could do nothing um, and the magicians who could just make things worse and 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 the pharaoh who just uh, continued to to reject the absolute obvious reality that Yahweh is the one who's in control. He says, the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. The blood marks out who are Yahweh's people. And he says this in verse 13. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, we'll come back to that in a bit. But there's to be no leaven, and this is to be an ongoing observance every year, which makes you go, Yahweh knows what's going on. He knows that this is going to happen every year because he knows and he will preserve his people. And then we come to this bit where Yahweh does as he says. He struck the Egyptians, but he passed over the people of Israel. And Pharaoh is like, get out of here. Pharaoh's own son, his own firstborn son, is killed. Yahweh, who is perfect, passes over and he comes to judge. And the firstborn in all of the land of Egypt die, apart from those who are in Israel. Do you notice that, that it's, it's, there's not a house without someone dead? I mean, it's hard to imagine the kind of severity that is, the, the, the kind of weight of that judgment. People, all the people, neighbors, friends, family, cousins, everyone has someone in their house who died. Everyone except the people of Israel. It's, it's been very obvious to Pharaoh until now that it's, that it's Yahweh, but he keeps hardening his heart Yahweh has continually shown that he makes a distinction between his people Israel and between the Egyptians. And we see it again here. We see it again here where Yahweh shows that the people of Egypt are not his people. But what made the difference? Why, why were the people of Israel not struck? Was it because of their impeccable righteousness? And, you know, their un, unfailing commitment to Yahweh. No. <laughs> what impeccable righteousness and unfailing commitment to Yahweh? No. The people of Israel continually messed up. And we'll see that this is, this is in some ways, the tip of the iceberg. They keep going in, in their rebellion against Yahweh. Uh, what made the difference for the people then was whether they were covered by the blood of the Lamb or not. Whether the sacrifice had been made in their place to rescue them from their sin and from their slavery. That, that, that was what made the difference. It's, it's, are you under the blood of the lamb or are you not under the blood of the lamb? When Yahweh passes over and he looks and he sees the blood, then he passes over. If he doesn't see the blood, he comes in judgment. That's what made the difference. It's what made the difference for the people of Israel and it's what makes the difference for us too. You see, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Paul talks about Christ as our Passover Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our Passover Lamb. 
whose blood was shed, not as a sacrifice every year to be repeated into perpetuity, but once and for all on that cross, his blood shed, his body broken. And then for all who are in Christ Jesus, we find ourselves covered by the blood of the Lamb. So that when Jesus comes in judgment, in time to come, he will look at us, he will see that we're covered by his blood and he will pass over and we will not be under his judgment. That was the truth for the people of Israel. Yahweh did it then and he will do it again. You see, the reality is that each and every one of us deserve Yahweh's judgment. That was true for the people of Israel too. It wasn't that Yahweh looked at them, looked at and, and saw, look at, look at my people Israel who live these holy upright lives. No, it's look at the blood that was shed for them. And it's true for us too. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at us to see whether we are good enough in order to be in. We're, none of us are good enough. Only Jesus Christ is good enough. And only Jesus Christ can rescue us from our sin. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. Do you notice that it wasn't just the Egyptians who were struck? There was another one who was struck. The Lamb. The Lamb was struck in the place of the Israelites so that they could go free. And that's true for us too. You see, Yahweh will come in judgment and our sin will be judged. The question is, did Jesus pay the price for us on the cross 2,000 years ago or will we pay it one day when we face him in judgment? And the great and awesome, wonderful news is that salvation is on offer in Jesus Christ. That there is hope and joy and grace and mercy on offer to us in Jesus Christ and in him alone. The perfect, spotless, righteous, holy Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. You see, the Passover is this massive point for the people of Israel where they understand their identity. They mark their calendars with it. They have all of these specific things that they're to do to remember what Yahweh did for them to rescue them by the blood of the Lamb. And we, we have the fullness that Passover is pointing towards in Jesus Christ. The fullness of the Passover Lamb in Jesus Christ who is perfect, who never stumbled. You know, the lamb had to be without spot or blemish. Jesus Christ is perfect in every way. No other sacrifice would do. The lambs they were offering every year. Jesus Christ, once for all sacrifice. He is God himself. He is fully human and he offers himself once for all. He doesn't have to repeat that sacrifice. That's a sacrifice that is infinite in value because he is infinite in value. We see that the people of Israel there, they needed to not make excuses to be find themselves, you know, I'm not going to bother with this. No, Yahweh keeps his word and Yahweh is coming again in judgment. So the only way that we're going to stand righteous before him is if we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we, we look to his rescue, his promise of rescue, and we see and we know that we can trust him. Yahweh did all of these things. He, he did them exactly as he said. And then when he tells us something now, we know that he will do exactly as he says. We have great confidence in him. 
The difference is whether we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, our world, if you ask someone, if you meet someone and you ask them, you know, what, what, what would someone do to get to heaven? A lot of people, I think, would just tell you, be a good person, you know, try on balance to do more right things than wrong things. You know, call your mum, don't kill anyone, and, you know, happy days. Like, that's, that's generally the kind of prevailing opinion we find in our world. What, what, what would get someone into heaven? But none of that stuff would get us into heaven. You see, each and every one of us have rebelled against Yahweh. We find ourselves righteously deserving His judgment. He's perfect. We're not perfect. So standing before the ultimate, glorious, holy God, we stand exposed. We stand deserving of His judgment. The only hope that we have is that another has taken that judgment in our place. But Jesus Christ did that for us. That He shed His blood that we can go free. The, uh, the words used in, in one of these verses here where he says that he struck the Egyptians, but he spared our houses. I normally don't talk about original language stuff, but this is cool. Rhymes in Hebrew. It rhymes. So it's like he struck them, but spared us. Now that doesn't really rhyme in English <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's helpful to think of it as the Egyptians were struck and the people of Israel were plucked. It's, it's about as close as you're going to get. God struck them and plucked them. He struck in judgment, but he plucked his people out of that judgment. And that's what he's done for us too. For all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. He's plucked us out. He's rescued us. He's taken us from what we deserve and brought us to the place where we can know him and be in a right relationship with him and stand before the ultimate, perfect, holy God, righteous, why? Not because I'm righteous, but because Christ is righteous. Because he gave his life for me. There are so many things that we can get out of this for ourselves, for, for how we understand who we are in light of who he is. And, and, and these things uh, ought to be in the forefront of our minds. Um, whether you celebrate Australia Day or not, this is to be the focus for us. We've been rescued by Jesus Christ. So I want us to think about this first. First question I have for us is, am I covered by the blood of the Lamb? That's the first one. Because this is, this is life and death, eternal life, eternal condemnation. This is where the dividing line comes, whether we are united to Jesus Christ and therefore covered by His blood or outside of Jesus Christ and not covered by His blood. That's the first question. Am I covered by the blood of the Lamb? And you might think, well, how do I know? Well, Jesus makes it pretty simple for us. He says, turn and trust. Turn to Jesus Christ. Turn away from our sin. You know, maybe there's something in our lives that's been taking us away from God. Maybe we've been pursuing some kind of sin and we know that. Or we look at God's Word and He re reveals some kind of sin in our hearts. We need to turn away from that. We can't continue in that. Otherwise, we'll be destined for His judgment. We need to turn away from all of that sin and we need to trust in Jesus Christ who shed His blood for us. Trust in Jesus Christ who has made the complete, perfect sacrifice, who alone can make us stand righteous before our great and glorious God. So, the first question is, am I covered by the blood of the Lamb? And, and, and if you want to clarify that, 
Have I turned and trusted Jesus alone for my salvation? If you have, praise God. Think about how awesome that is. We'll, we'll get into more of the application for that in a bit. But if you haven't, then I urge you, I beg you, do that today. Don't delay. We don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back, but we do know he is coming back. And we know that he's coming in judgment. And we know this time it's not merely judgment on the firstborn, but it's judgment on the whole world. And the only way we can stand righteous before him is if we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I urge you, I implore you, if you don't know, work it out. Come and talk to me, come and talk to Wade, come and talk to Owen, come and talk to any of us and make sure that you know Jesus Christ, that you are covered by the blood of the Lamb so that when he comes in judgment, you will stand righteous and perfect before him. I urge you to do that. Yahweh's offer of salvation is open to you. There's breath in your lungs Yahweh planned from the beginning, from before the beginning of the world, that you would be sitting in this room right now, hearing of the great and glorious love that Jesus Christ has for you and the salvation that he alone offers you. Put your trust in him today if you haven't already. I urge you, I implore you, I beg you to do that. Don't stay outside of Jesus. Come in, come into his family. Be in the household of God, be covered by his blood and know where you're headed for glory in Jesus Christ. Maybe for many of us, even, we've been trusting in Jesus for a long time. We know that we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, but there are many things in our lives that weigh us down. And I want us to unpack that and think about that because this message of being covered by the blood of the Lamb isn't something that the people of Israel remembered once when they first were covered by the blood of the Lamb. It's something they remembered every year, every single year. And then when Yahweh would, would talk to them going forward from here, he says, I'm the Lord who brought you up out of the house of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. It's to be their understanding of their identity is that we are the redeemed of the Lord. And that is true for us too. Not merely something when we first come to know him, but throughout our lives and throughout eternity, knowing that we've been redeemed by Yahweh. So I want to, I've got some questions for us to think through. Do I ever feel proud? Do I ever start to think that, I know I do, do I ever start to think that, actually, I'm doing pretty well and, you know, on balance, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay and think that we've got here by merit. I think in the sinfulness of our human hearts, we can often start to forget that the only reason that we're right before God is because we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can start to think that I'm right before God because I'm doing all of these Christian things, like going to Bible study or, you know, reading the Bible or praying with people. We can think that actually the reason why we're right before God is because of what we do. But friends, the reason we're right before God is because of what He's done not because of what we do, but because of what he's done for us on the cross. You see, we could never make ourselves right before him. We are all deserving of his judgment. And so what a humbling truth that is to grasp. The only reason we can stand righteous before him is because Jesus took our sin in our place. And so there's no reason for me to be proud. If I were to get what I deserved, it would be judgment in hell. The only hope I have 
is that I get not what I deserve, but what Christ is giving me instead. We hold on to those truths. We need to also remember that what made the difference between the people of Israel and the people of Egypt was the blood of the Lamb. You see, we can look at our world and think, well, you know, what makes the difference between us and them? And we can start to think that it's us. No, what makes the difference between us and the world is that Jesus has rescued us already. And we hope and pray that he will rescue them too. So this this is also what we need to, to remind ourselves of. Um, you might be able to have like a notification on your phone. I've set one up. I set this up on Thursday when I was working on this sermon. So every morning I get a notification saying, Jesus' blood covers me. That, that, that comes through now. It's come through for the past three days and it's been encouraging. So uh, I, I, there's in the midst of this world where we are constantly under this barrage of uh, news and information and so much bad news, hearing Jesus' blood covers me is what we need. We need to remind not only ourselves, but one another too. Write, post a letter to yourself. Maybe you don't use a smartphone. That's cool. Um, you know, write it on your physical calendar. Put it on your wall. Tag it on the outside of your wall. Whatever you need to do to remind yourself that the reason that we can stand right before God is because Jesus has come to rescue us. Remind ourselves of that truth. Come to church. Read. Uh, read the Bible. Meet up with a friend one-to-one to read the Bible. Come, about, come to Bible study or one of the meetings. Anything you can. And every day, we must be grateful to Yahweh because of what he's done for us. You see, without him, we're nothing. With him, we have hope in Jesus, secure, perfect hope. We must remember. Do we forget that other people need to hear of this salvation too? We need to remind one another. You see, The people of Israel were to come to understand that they were the redeemed of Yahweh, his rescued people. And we need to come to understand that and remind one another of that. I mean, there's there's lots of fun things we can talk about, like cricket and the weather. But we have something deeper than that. We've got something far, far infinitely more important than that. We have the blood of Jesus Christ covering us, union with Jesus Christ himself, a union with one another to talk about and enjoy. You know, if, you, if, you've, if you're encouraging a brother or sister, you can say, oh, you know, do you remember that, that Jesus' blood covers you? Remember, you've been saved. You've been rescued from judgment. Your identity is as one of the redeemed of Yahweh. You belong to him. You're a child of God. Those things are greatly encouraging, far more encouraging than trying to work out how long can I talk about the humidity and then I'm going to swap over to UV? (laughs) No. Tell one another, encourage one another with the hope that we have, the secure hope we have in Jesus Christ. But not only do one another need to hear about that, our world needs to hear about that hope too. Our world needs to hear that they too can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. As it stands, Yahweh is coming one day in judgment and there are many who are not united to Christ. There are many who stand outside of Christ, who are under his judgment, who like the Egyptians were destined to be struck. Let's go out there and tell them that someone has been struck in their place. Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
We need to go and bring that message to this dying world that they too can stand right before God. Only Jesus can do that for us. Only Jesus can, can save us. And we have this, this message of salvation to bring to this world. So let's join together in doing that. It may look like grabbing a buddy. Jesus sent out his disciples in twos. Grab a buddy and go and walk the streets. You know, maybe, maybe go to the city. Maybe ride the train. Talk to your neighbor. Have a barbecue. Whatever it is to tell people about Jesus Christ. There will be people who hate us for doing that. There will be people who oppose us. And that's, that's not outside of Yahweh's control. Um, but there will be people who come to salvation in Jesus as well. There will be people who hear of the blood of the Lamb, who hear of the hope that He alone offers, and they will put their trust in Him, and they will be saved. And then, one day, when we're united with Jesus in glory, standing there looking at Him face to face, that person will be there with us. We will be gathered around the Lamb on His throne. And each of those people who are covered by His blood will be there. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we have to keep us going, to spur us on. Another question I've got for us, this is, this is the last one I've got for us. Do we ever feel discouraged? Do you ever feel down in your spirit, cast down, feeling weighed down? Maybe you feel weighed down by your sin, inadequate. I'm never going to be good enough. I know I feel that. Well, I want to say don't be discouraged. You see, the first step of us actually trusting Jesus is recognizing that we need him. Seeing that we are sinners who deserve Yahweh's judgment and our only hope is in Jesus Christ. That's step one of Christianity. Don't be discouraged. You see, the distinction comes when we listen to Satan trying to condemn us rather than the Holy Spirit convicting us. When we listen to these charges of accusation that you, you're still going to burn, you're going to deserve judgment and all the rest of it, while we have already been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 says, there, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation at all. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, we see areas of our life to repent of, to turn away from and trust Jesus for forgiveness for. When Satan seeks to condemn us, we need to be reminded that our condemnation has already been borne by Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, there's this cool illustration. I'm reading a book um, called Faithfully Present by a guy called Adam Ramsey, which I found really helpful. Um, and he quotes a guy called Ray Ortland. So I, I haven't read Ray Ortland's book, but I've listened to Adam Ramsey's book who quotes Ray Ortland. So that's where I get this from. But basically, Ray has this illustration of, do you ever have, peop do you ever have this, this uh, in your mind where you hear this kind of accusation against you and you, you can imagine Satan sort of going up to, to God and saying, look, look at, look at what Jared's done. He's done it again. He sinned again. You know, don't you, don't you recognize that? Don't, don't you see that he's, he's a complete failure and he's going to keep doing it again and again and again? Look at this Christian, you know, who are they? Are they even, are they even saved? Do, do, you, do you not remember what they've done? And, um, and Ray, in his illustration, I don't know if I would put it like this, but I found it interesting, um, says that Yahweh would be like, no, I don't remember. And, and, then, and then he says, 
Gabriel, can you just look up on the database um, what what Jared's righteousness is for me? And you know, Gabriel goes on, looks on the database, and he sees, oh yeah, all we can see is covered by the the blood of Christ. You know, is 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 covered by Christ's righteousness. So uh, no, we can, we can, we can't see we can't see uh, this this charge that you're laying. And now that's not a perfect illustration, but it's helpful. I think I think it gets us to see the way that Yahweh sees us when we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ is as someone who has been given Christ's righteousness. That means that Yahweh looks at you, if you're one of God's children, if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, and he sees the righteousness of Christ. Praise God. What wonderful truth that is. And when we hold on to that, then we don't need to be discouraged. When we hear the lies in our world, the attacks from Satan, the the discouragements that come, the self-judgment and self-loathing we can have, we need to be reminded that our standing before God is determined by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we who know him, who've been rescued by him, stand right in his sight, covered by the blood of the Lamb, just like the people of Israel. Pray with me, please. Yahweh, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving. You deserve all glory, all honor, all praise. You you are the ultimate one, the creator, the ruler, the sustainer, the redeemer. We thank you that you rescued your people, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. And we thank you that you've performed an even more amazing rescue mission of us from our slavery to sin. Thank you, Yahweh, that, that we who know you uh, are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that, that we don't deserve it, but that we stand righteous in your sight. Lord, I pray for anyone here who doesn't yet know you or maybe isn't even sure of whether they know you or not. Lord, I pray that this morning you would ignite their heart to come to you in repentance and in faith in Jesus Christ, in turning and trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. And Lord, I pray for us all who do know you, who know that we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. Help us to live lives where we recognize that our standing before you is not because of any anything that we've done to earn it, uh, and that we can't we can't uh, we're not the ones who who need to be discouraged because you, Lord, have covered us with your blood. So, Lord, help us to to not be proud and not to despair, but to just trust in you, Jesus, and in your blood that was shed for us on the cross. We pray this in your name and for your glory and for your praise, Lord Jesus. Amen.